Isn't that awesome? All right. Thank you, John and team. That is absolutely beautiful. And I don't know about you, but I love that. I just love seeing the picture of new life. Uh, if you saw some people come up and it looked like they had pained looks on their faces, it's because it was really cold. I think that was our coldest baptism service, August baptism service in history. Uh, it was rainy. Actually, during the testimony, you may have heard raindrops. Those were raindrops. It was rainy. It was windy and temperatures in the 60s. So uh, for those of you that were there, there were actually some people that stayed and swam afterwards. So uh, let me just put it this way. Those were some loving parents who did that um, because there's no way to explain it. It was a great time together. And um, thank you uh, all for participating and and worship team for leading us. Uh, Even with those cold temps, it was such a great day of celebration and such a tangible and living picture of new life. This is what the church is for. This is what we're to be about, to bring redemption, to bring redemption, hope and life and joy and forgiveness to our broken and needy world. Do you ever forget that? I mean, does it ever begin to, in your mind, this question run through, what's the church about? I mean, you begin to think that it's just about these 75 minutes that we spend together here uh, every Sunday. And maybe that's it. I mean, do do you? I I do, and I'm a pastor. You know, it's like, I probably shouldn't, but I have those questions. I mean, do you ever really wonder why we're doing this or what church is about? And what difference is it making? And even more fundamentally, is the church really worth it? I remember an important moment in my life. As I considered the possibility of becoming a pastor and joining the staff here 10 years ago, can you believe it's been 10 years, Sharon and I had attended Christ Community for 10 years prior to that, and the opportunity was there for us to join the staff, for me to become a pastor. Now, you need to understand, I had been involved in church my entire life, but still at that moment, I wondered if being a pastor was really worth it. Many questions circled around my mind as to, was this the best place to invest? As I was questioning this, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Bob Thompson. Some of you know Bob, Bob and Nancy, who are here at Christ Community. I talked with Bob, and I couldn't really put words to it as to what I was feeling. I tried to best articulate it to him. Just my question, the best way it came out was that I just told him I wasn't sure this was a good career move. Which, by the way, don't become a pastor for a good career move, I, just a suggestion. But that, that was the way it, I, I finally got the words out. And I still remember Bob, in just a simple, profound way, gave me a baseball analogy. I don't think I'll ever forget. And he said to me, he said, Kevin, he said, here's the way I see it. I think you've just been called up to the big leagues. <laughs> Although I had invested time and money and in a variety of local churches, and I believed in the importance of the local church. God used that simple little analogy, those, those simple words from Bob, to begin to shape me, to change me in the way I thought about the local church. You see, I've come to realize that the church is just not another plan for carrying out God's task of making disciples. It is His plan. The local church is God's plan A. Or as you've heard it said around here, the local church, as God designed it, is the hope of the world. Last week, we began this message series by Tom reading Matthew 16. 
In those words, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus speaks that he would build his church. But how? What is his plan for building his church? Well, if we stop and think about it, and just kind of pause for a moment and and answer the question, what is his plan? I think we could all come up with it. That it's us. He asked us to do it. He told us to go and make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them to obey. His plan for building his church is simple, but not easy. Just as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. Now, if you're like me, I I kind of have this question that maybe Jesus should have come up with a better plan for that. I don't know, have you ever run through your heads? Like, couldn't there have been another way, just instead of using imperfect people? But when we stop and think about that, isn't this really what we long for? I mean, we long to make a difference, don't we? In the brokenness of this world. To know that our lives really, truly do matter. Well, this morning, on behalf of the elder leadership team, we're going to take a look at what we believe Uh, God is speaking to us, where we believe God is leading us, where he is sending us, we might say, as a church. If you're a guest with us this morning, this is a little bit of a unique Sunday. I hope you'll be encouraged, though, as we sort of peek underneath who we are as a church, where we're heading as a church. If this is your church home, if you're a Christ community person, I hope that you'll be excited even more about what God is doing in this place and where he is taking us. Last week, we spent time looking at who we are and what we value as a church. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go online. Uh, You can listen to the message online, or also on on our webpage, you can read about our values. It really would be important. So those of you that were here, uh, maybe just what were some of those values? We had five of them. The cross, good. We have participation. What's that? The Bible, good. One in between those, yes. The yoke, all right, in the front row. Awesome. Over here? The city. Okay. And back there. How about the church? There's the five. For those of you that have armbands on, some of you were actually looking at those. You didn't put that up too early, did you? No. Okay. All right. Good. Thinking if you had this, I was silly asking you what are they. You know, no wonder you're looking at me with silly looks like they're right there, Kevin. Uh, These are the five. Uh, we had armbands that we distributed. If you were in the second service, you might not have been able to pick one of up last week because we ran out. There are more out there. We ordered more this week, and we'd love to, for you to grab one of those just as a reminder to be p- praying for Christ's community. Um, and as good as it is for us to be able to understand and articulate what it is we value and who we are as a church, it still begs the question, for what purpose? I mean, what's it all for? What do these values urge us to do? Well, that really is the goal of our time together this morning. If you call Christ Community your home, I I don't want you to be thinking, by the way, as we move forward, I don't want you to be thinking, well, this is really cool to hear where the church that I attend is going. This is where we are going together. This is your church. This is my church. This is our church. We are the church. You are the church. So to provide a backdrop for our conversation this morning, we're going to look in the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there to the book of John in the 17th chapter. And we're going to try this morning to answer three questions. What does Jesus want for his church? 
where are we heading as a church? And what will it take us? What will it take for us to do that? First, what does Jesus want for his church? I think we get a glimpse of Jesus' hopes for us as a church and for the church as a whole in a compacted prayer that Jesus prays in the final hours of his life before his crucifixion. And he prays that we might flourish and multiply. To begin with, Jesus prays for us. This is really an amazing moment, by the way. Jesus prays for us. And this is not a moment, I know there's times where you're thinking, well, a lot of times we just take, he's speaking it to the disciples, and we think, well, I'm sure he was actually thinking of us. In this prayer, in the 17th chapter of John, he calls us out. He actually mentions us. And now he doesn't list our names, because I think he knows that when we come to that part of the Bible, we skim over it anyway. But uh, by the way, that was meant to be a joke, so um, it'll sink in just a little bit. But look with me at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Jesus prays this. He prays. He's speaking to his Father, and he says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples who are there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He prays for us. He prays for you. He prays for me in that moment. And in his prayer, Jesus prays for our flourishing. Okay, so he doesn't use that word. That's actually a word we use around here at Christ Community, flourishing. You're thinking, okay, why do they pick words like that? I mean, what is flourishing, for heaven's sake? What does flourishing mean? Well, flourishing is, we believe here at Christ Community, it's, it's a, the best word possible to, to describe the type of life that God has designed for us, individually and collectively. A life that is healthy, it's thriving, it's growing, and not one of those words capture it. But flourishing captures the totality of that. Now, to be clear, flourishing does not mean prosperity, as you might think it, or the easy life, as our world tends to define it. It's the healthy and thriving and growing life that God designed for us, that God intended for us. Let's look at how Jesus speaks of the good life, beginning in verse 11. He pray, he's praying again to his Father. He says, Holy Father, keep them, us, in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Drop down to verse 13. He says, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And skip one more verse to 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. In his prayer, Jesus speaks of four hopes for us. You see them there? They were highlighted out here in green that we would be unified, that we would have joy that we would be protected in the midst of difficulty and that we would be set apart, or the word choice there is sanctified, we would be set apart for His use. But it still begs the important question, for what use? Why? For what purpose? In verse 23, Jesus makes the purpose of our health very clear. It is so others can hear the good news of the gospel. You see, this good news only makes sense 
It can only make sense to others when it can be touched, it can be felt, it can be interacted with. And as scary as this may be for us as a church, we are the way that people experience Jesus. This is why we're called the body of Christ. We are the body, the the part of Christ that can be touched by a watching world. And when we are the church that God designed us to be, our work of making disciples is then made possible. Which leads to the next part of his prayer. I believe that Jesus in this moment prayed for our multiplication. We all know John 3.16, don't we? Or at least we've seen it on a sign at a sporting event. Thank you. I didn't have to tell you to laugh there. That was good. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. We like that part, don't we? I mean, that's like, yeah, we like that part. But why is it that so few Christians understand that it doesn't stop there? Look at verse 18 of John 17. Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, think John 3.16, so I have sent them into the world. Or we might say that Jesus so loved the world that he sent us. As the Father sends Jesus, so Jesus sends us. We exist. We exist to be sent out like Jesus into this world as a church, as his body, as his representation of God, his representation, the representation of Jesus on earth. And remember, his prayer is not just for them, for the disciples who are near. His prayer is for us. He's speaking to us. He sends us out to make disciples. Now, you're, you're with me, right, here in this moment? I mean, this is something we all want, right? We, we would want for there to be more disciples, for more followers of Christ in Kansas City, right? I mean, this is, we, we share this hope, don't we? But how does this happen? How does this occur? Most of us listen to Matthew 28 and Jesus' words of go and make disciples and hear it and process it only through an individualistic lens. We think about one-on-one conversations or evangelism, one person to one person, or maybe crusades or maybe uh, organizations that do that kind of work. But how is it that Jesus tells us that the gospel will go forward? By people observing us they will know by watching the church, our church, the local church. And so our call to disciple-making is grounded in our work of building churches. Let me say that again. Our call of disciple-making is grounded in our work of building churches. If you just stop and pause and think about the Bible for just a moment, I think this becomes kind of clear for us. Matthew 28, that Jesus' followers hear this, that you're to go and make disciples. And then we have an account of what they went and did following that. What did they do? They went and started churches. Now, this does not minimize the importance of each of us communicating our faith one-on-one to coworkers and family members and neighbors nor does it minimize the important work of organizations that assist us in this endeavor. But without the church, 
It's incomplete. The local church is God's plan A for His purposes going forward. And our investments in starting churches here in Kansas City is vitally important. When Tim Keller was with us this past fall, we had a chance to spend some time with him to talk with him about planting churches. His church, Redeemer, is very active in the work of church planting and in the work of church building. Tim speaks about building churches in this way. He says, virtually all of the great evangelistic challenges of the New Testament are basically calls to plant churches, not simply to share the faith. He then continues, and he says, the only way to be truly sure you are increasing the number of Christians in a town is to increase the number of churches. Through Christ, we are to build His church so that we and others might believe and grow and serve and love our needy world. So what does this look like at Christ Community? What part is God calling us to play in the work of building churches? In other words, the third question, where are we heading? Over the last several months, we've given this much thought and prayer as we've been seeking to answer this question of where do we believe God is leading us? If you've been around Christ Community for a while, you might remember that four years ago, I can't believe it's actually four years ago, time just throws, flows, flies by, flows by too. In August of 2008, we introduced five commitments in a document we called Destination 30. It was a document we introduced as we were beginning to head into our uh, third decade of ministry, as we were celebrating our 20th anniversary and moving into the third decade. At that time, we were seeking clarity of where we believed that God was leading us into that third decade. So with these commitments as the starting point, for those of you who have been around, some of these will seem very familiar. We then began to question, where do we think God is taking us in the next two to three years? What are the places that we, where we should be focusing? And we believe that these five key ideas all flow out of this one thought, that just as the Father sends Jesus, so Jesus sends us. If we are truly multiplying flourishing congregations. We believe that the other four commitments will be deeply embedded. Proclaiming the gospel, connecting faith and work, seeking the welfare of the city, and developing next generational leaders. So let's take a look at these four, and I'll highlight just a few ways that we plan for these to be shape, taking shape. First, proclaiming the gospel. Healthy churches proclaim the gospel, right? I mean, this is what we do. This is what we're passionate about. This ought to be what we care most deeply about. Remember, we value the cross. This is the work to which God has called us. And here's the way we've stated this commitment. We've said, according to God's design, we will seek to proclaim and live out the gospel as salt and light wherever we are. We believe it is important for us to grow in our readiness and action of giving a defense for the hope that is within us. We think these will work out, and specifically, we desire to grow in these three areas, in our understanding of and obedience to God's Word. We first must know the gospel, in our conversations of faith with neighbors, friends, and co-workers, and in our understanding of and participation in God's work outside the United States. And we proclaim the gospel every Sunday, soon in four locations around Kansas City. And it's our hope that you are living out the gospel and talking about the gospel at home, in your school, 
on your sports teams, with your neighbors, with your friends. We also believe that the work of building churches to proclaim the gospel is a work that, does, that we need to pay more attention to outside of the United States and be, be, expand beyond our city and nation. We believe in the coming years that we need to grow in our engagement of God's work abroad. In the coming couple of months, we will have an opportunity for you to interact with some important partners of ours who work in Africa and Iran. And I'd encourage you to, you hear about these things occasionally, let me just encourage you to attend, to participate, to come to know them, to get to find out what's happening and how God is working outside of the United States. Maybe specifically you want to connect with Pastor Jeanette and just try to find out a little bit more about how you might be able to be involved in his work abroad. Next, we believe that God is calling us to be about the work of connecting faith and work. As it's been said, the work of the church is the church at work. And next Sunday, appropriately so, Labor Day weekend, we will be taking the entire Sunday to unpack this. So I'll leave this category to Tom. Third, we're seeking, uh, to, we are committed to seeking the welfare of the city. We phrase this commitment this way, and let me help you try to understand, unpack it just a bit. According to God's design, we will seek to work for justice throughout the Kansas City metro area. We believe it is important for us to grow in our capacity to love our city and to expend significant human, financial, and capital resources as we seek the common good. Specifically, we desire to grow in these three ways, in our individual and collective work for the common good of this city, in serving the poor and marginalized of this city, in our engagement with city leaders and cultural influencers. From the very beginning of Christ's community, I mean, you can even go back to 1988 and the creation of, for those of you who have been around for a while, what we know is the blueprint. From the very beginning document, Christ Community has had a heart for the Kansas City metropolitan area. So when we talk about seeking the welfare of the city, we're talking about wanting the very best for every part of this city that we live in, the Kansas City metro area. We're not just talking about downtown or an urban area. We're talking about the Kansas City metro area. Now, we recognize that this is, our heart for this is significantly bigger than our capacity to actually do something about it. And so we are teaming up with and we have teamed up with partners around our city for this purpose. I would encourage you to get to know these partners. Find out the work that God has called them to and how you might be able to assist them in that important work. A great place of discovery just want a one-click little choice. On our website, you can go to the, one of the top heading buttons is a button called Serve and find out who our partners are. Find a way to engage in the, uh, seeking the common good, the welfare of this city. To help us all with this, as a congregation, we are planning a conference just for this purpose. In April, uh, by the way, get this on your calendar, April 5 and 6, we'd love to have you with us. It's called CG 2013. CG stands for Common Good. We've invited Andy Crouch, who's the uh, senior editor of Christianity Today. Author Amy Sherman will be here with us. And we will be looking at how we can better understand and individually and collectively seek the welfare of our city. It will be hosted at the Brookside campus, and we are excited about what God may do as we collectively begin to think of this 
important um, commitment that God is calling us to. Fourth, we remain committed to developing next-generational leaders. We've said it this way, that according to God's design, we will seek to develop and multiply leaders for the home, local church, and society at large. We believe it is important for us to grow in our capacity to prepare men and women to be integral and influential leaders. Specifically, we desire to grow in these three areas, in our development and multiplication of healthy families, in building a web of relationships between children, students, and adults, and in our development and multiplication of church leaders. Part of developing leaders is the development of healthy families. One of the things you've heard us talk a bit about here at Christ Community is that we desire to be an intergenerational church, a church where people of all ages connect with one another, love one another, serve one another. We encourage families to worship together. It's exciting to see the students and children here with us this morning. And we think this is the healthiest thing for you as a family and for us as a church. We recognize this is uniquely difficult here at the Leewood campus due to our current off-site student ministries facility and why we believe that the addition of space for our students here at the Leewood campus is and must be a top priority for us as we move forward. As we move into this next budget year, we are committed to holding expenses to create margin for this project to begin and would invite you to join us in praying for this important work, for this important project. So what does this all mean? Individually and collectively as we move forward. In other words, what will it take? Well, let's go back to where we started. Jesus sends us into the world, and as Christ's community, we believe that this means that he has asked us to be about the work of multiplying flourishing congregations. Here's the way we phrase and speak of this commitment here, that according to God's design, we will seek to flourish in all expressions of congregational life. We believe it is important for us to multiply the breadth and the depth of our life in the local church and to assist our global partners in this endeavor. Specifically, we desire to grow in three areas. First is in our relational connections to one another. If we are called to be the church, what what do our connections look like? What are the relationships that are fostered here? And what steps are you and am I taking to be connected to others, either formally through a church program or something organized by the church or informally by just inviting someone over to your house? Remember, Jesus prays that we would be one. And it is our togetherness, our unity, our community that, Christ, that makes Christ visible to a needy and watching world. But it takes more than just strong relational connections, doesn't it? And this is where I think sometimes we, begin to, we can be confused and begin to think that the church, the work of the church is really about just getting us all together. But really, if we think about that, it, it quickly turns inward and becomes self-focused. And that's not God's nature. By God's nature, He's an outpourer. And although we are sinners in need of grace, we're not like that either. 
we should be thinking outward. That's why we believe that we are to grow in the generosity of our time, talent, and treasure to the church. Over time, I have come to learn and come to realize that if you are approaching Christ's community from the perspective of what Christ's community can do for you, you'll eventually grow dissatisfied. I don't know when it will happen, but I can promise you it will. And as a general rule, that's true of any church. Contrary to how most of us approach modern life, life in the local church is not designed to be a consumer decision. It's the other way around. The church is the place where we are to be freed up to give ourselves away fully, our time, our skills, our financial resources. Now, this is contrary to how we live most of life, and so it is hard. I think this is why the Hebrews writer tells us not to neglect the gathering together and to encourage one another on to love and good deeds. I think we need this, even pastors, because it can so easily be forgotten. Let's commit to look for ways to encourage one another in the work he's called us to. So let me just ask a few questions. How are you doing at this work of generous giving? Are you here just sitting on the sidelines, maybe soaking in the Sunday morning and think that that's, you just need to be fed? What steps do you need to take to invest more of your time, talent, treasure, financial giving, faithful service. I must say, this has never been more important in the life of Christ's community than it is right now. For people to step up and to serve and to give of themselves to this place. We have a unique thing happening. We're not alone in this, by the way. You feel it at home. We're growing in attendance and the demands of a larger family are growing and yet at the same time, financially, we're declining. I mean, you, you know this story, don't you? You've worked through this at home. And just like it requires changes at home, it requires changes for us as a church family. We've been working hard over the last few months to determine the best way to move forward. And I do hope that you'll engage with us in the coming month as we review and vote on a budget of how we allocate, allocate resources in the coming year. The congregational meeting is planned for Sunday night, September the 16th. And I hope you'll make plans to be there with us. Finally, we believe that we are to grow in the multiplication of growing apprentices and congregations. As we stated at the beginning of the message, we believe that the work of multiplying disciples has always been a call to build churches. And today we stand at a unique moment in the history of Christ's community as we're just two weeks away from the moment when a significant group from our Leewood campus will be sent to their neighborhood to begin the work of multiplying at the Brookside campus. Now, although the grand opening for the Brookside campus is officially scheduled for September 30th, we will begin services there on September 9th, which means that today is the next to last Sunday before this group is sent to that important work in their part of the city. So today we want to pause and pray for those who are planning to be pioneers in this new congregation in the Brookside areas.
Over the years, we've grown to understand the importance of proximity when we talk about local churches. Although we've always been committed to starting and building churches, we used to see this location, what we now know as the Leawood Campus, as a regional location, one that would attract people from all over the city. But if you think about the local church as a place where people can go and touch and feel Jesus, then doesn't it make sense for the church to go to them, to their neighborhoods, to their parts of town, and not expect them to come to us? If you are planning to be a part of the Brookside campus, I want to invite you to come on stage now with me and line up behind me. We have no idea who's coming, except for the paid staff people. I guess they're for sure coming. Uh, We would like for you to be right back behind here. We learned the importance of geographic proximity when we launched the Olathe campus almost six years ago. The idea was this. What if we placed another Christ community, planted another Christ community in an area where a significant number of Christ community members live? Wouldn't it make it easier for them to expose their friends, neighbors, co-workers, and church as a result? And we saw it happen. It was amazing how God worked in the establishment of the Olathe campus. And today we stand at another one of those moments. We have our three pastoral staff members. I'm hoping as I turned around that they were right there. Um, As I think most of you know, Uh, We are beginning with three pastors who've been called to give leadership at the Brookside campus. Bill Gorman and his wife, Rachel. uh, John Brewer, his wife, Kylie, is not here right now. And Claire uh, Nicholson and her fiancé, Adam McClung. Uh, We are excited about how God has equipped the staff to give leadership for the launching of this campus. And in two weeks, wow, bigger than the first service. Awesome to see you all. In two weeks, many of the conveniences that this group knows and experiences here at the Leewood campus will not be there. We did establish, though, in the first service that there will be donut holes. So I, I, I'm hoping that that actually happens. Uh, I guess I promised it, didn't I? They are truly starting over. Now, granted, they have a great pastoral staff and a beautiful building. It's amazing how God has gifted the opportunity here for us. But much will be required of them as they go. And so I would like for us to pause for just a moment and pray for them as they go. And I would ask you just to silently lift them up, and I will guide you through some specific ways to be praying for them. Let's pause in a moment of prayer. Let's begin by praying that they would be unified. Pray that they would experience joy as they begin this endeavor. Pray that they would be protected from the evil one as they experience difficulty that will come. Pray that they would multiply. 
for God's glory. Lord, just as you sent Jesus, we know Jesus sends us and he sends these faithful followers. May you be glorified in who they are and in what they do as they go. Use them for your purposes. Build your church through them. And it's in Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Will you join me in thanking them and letting them know we're praying for them? Leewood Campus, um, as they return to their seats, I'd like to ask you to stand up. I guess actually just have everybody standing. But I want to speak specifically to the Leewood Campus for a moment. In this moment, I want to remind you that for as God so loved the world, just as God so loved the world and he sent Jesus, Jesus also sends us. And it is because, because of our love for Jesus, our heart for the people of this city who do not know him, that we send them. Or maybe a better way to say it is that we release them, we let them go. This doesn't mean it's easy. I still remember when we sent a core group of people to plant what is now known as Vox Day Church in Belton. It hurt. Friends left. We will miss these people as they go. And although we are in one church, we will not be together in the same way that we are now. But let's remember that this is God's desire for us to multiply and to build churches, including the work of building our congregation here in Leewood. Our work is not done here. The departure of these people opens up new seats on Sunday morning. So Leewoodians, is that really a word? I don't know. Southern Kansas City people, who are the neighbors, co-workers that you'll invite to bring, and bring with you in the coming days? The departure of these people opens up new leadership opportunities and service opportunities here at the Leewood campus. Who will step up and invest in new ways here? And as the Leewood people are standing, and I know the Brooksiders, you're standing as well, but I'm going to invite those who are heading to Brookside to pray silently for those who are staying. Let's pray together. If you're heading to Brookside, will you just pause right now and pray that this congregation would be unified, that we would be unified? Lord, pray, pray that they would have joy, that we would have joy. Pray that we would be protected as we experience difficulty here. Pray for our multiplication for the glory of God. Lord, for those of us who continue on this work that you've called us to here in the southern part of the Kansas City metro area, we pray that you would find us faithful.
Lord, comfort us as we feel the loss of those who will be worshiping in Brookside. Ignite our hearts with a passion for serving and inviting. Build your church through us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all pray this responsive prayer together. There's a leader's part and then there will be a part for all of us. Gracious God, we confess that we are often content to be comfortable, that we want your promises but not your mission, that we read your word but rarely speak it, that we love ourselves but not your world. Although we are afraid, Lord, send us. Almighty Father, we ask that you make us one as you and the Son are one. Grant that our church, bound by love to you, would be united in one spirit, that the world may believe in him whom you have sent. Although we are fractured, Lord, send us. Loving Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus who was sent to bring eternal life to a dying world to make known the good news for which all human hearts long and to make a people who would share it in all that they do. Although we are inadequate, Lord, send us. We ask this all in Jesus' name, our rock and our foundation. To him be the glory in the church forever and ever. Amen.